I played major, junior, and professional hockey. Throughout my teenage years, on the outside, everything looked perfect. When you're hot, you're hot. Freddie Leopold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets have a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey that worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean and fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Hockey to Hell and Back, the road to recovery. You know, this is Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Morrisburg, Ontario. I'm in Matt Thompson's basement. He's at the One Stop Skate Shop, and I'm about to have uh, somebody that uh, he's extremely excited about on my show. Like, holy shit, guys, I got to pinch myself, to be honest. Um, this is a big one. Uh, I usually spend a lot of time uh, talking and uh, I spend a lot of time on intros um, and that today just isn't the case. Uh, I don't need to do that. Like, wow, guys, this is, I don't even know how to explain this, um, but most of you, if you're watching, you're part of the hockey community in one one way or another. Um I think we're all going to fan out today. That's okay, though. Um, this is a, a very special day for myself, and I know Matt and his dad are, are really looking forward um, to me talking to this guy growing up in the Ottawa area. Matt was a die-hard 67s fan. Any moment that happened uh, during the 1990s and the 2000s, you bet your ass Matt Thompson was there. Um, and... Obviously, you guys know, um, I talk a lot about Matt. Him and I have become best friends through the Matthew Lazinski story and the Puck Support Foundation. Um, and what a treat it's been uh, getting to know Matt. He's become my best friend, guys. Uh, if you're in the South Dundas area, come check us out at the One Stop Skate Shop. Uh, we're open for business. And man, we're loving every minute of it, getting to connect with these kids in the community. For me, that's the biggest thing, uh, you know, like... They're coming in that door, whether you're a young boy or a young girl, we know what your dream is. We know if you're a young boy, you want to play in the NHL. Probably if you're a young girl too, with the way the world's going now, like, you know, believe in yourself, kids. We know that, you know, these young girls want to go off and play NCAA. So when you come in the doors of the one-stop skate shop, we know this and we're going to do everything we can to further your dream. And uh, we just love doing it. So 
Um, thank you to everybody. You can follow us on social media at One Stop Skate Shop at the number one stop skate shop. So that's pretty much it. I'm going to quickly say something about the Puck Support Foundation. Of course, guys, uh, I was able to order a sublimation press and a sublimation printer with a bunch of materials and a bunch of blank clothing. So now the Puck Support Foundation, can, we can make our own swag. So now with the ambassadors, we can sell it on our website. So the money that Dave and Brandon Gilmore raised for Dave's 70th birthday, instead of just putting it somewhere and that money going away. Now that money is going to continually make money uh, and we're going to be able to get our brand out there and let people know who we are, which is going to help save lives. And so Dave Gilmore, Brandon Gilmore, thank you guys. Thank you to everybody who donated on the GoFundMe page, 2,500 bucks. Wow. COVID-19 and everything. Thank you. Uh, but guys, we all know that it's, it's hard out there. Uh, I made a picture yesterday. I'm going to quickly post it here. Um, hashtag never forget. There's a lot of there's a lot of men in that picture, and every single one of them is no longer with us. They've all passed away from suicide or overdose. There's about a half. There's about a like 50 50 mix in that picture from NHL guys right down through major junior guys. A um, couple American League boys in there too, and. It's tragic, guys. Uh, mental health is a serious, serious issue. Um, and we want to do everything we can to bring the absolute best possible resources to the hockey community. So that's longer than I wanted to speak for. Um, we're going to do it over the phone. I'm going to be on here on video, uh, but we're going to do it over the phone. Um, and wow. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, I'm excited and there's going to be a special guest joining us too. I hope it works out. Um, but no intro today. I don't have, a uh, an audio intro. I did one, but after I talked to Matt, it was like, you know what? Everybody knows this guy. So without further ado, Killer. Yeah. What's going on, buddy? Well, just just having fun, uh, living the, the dream of uh, being retired, and um, absolutely nothing because of the COVID, but I still have time to talk to my friends. That's awesome. Brian Kilroy, Kilroy joining us. I can't even speak clearly because I'm nervous. Uh, I don't usually get nervous for podcasts anymore, Brian. And uh, you're, you're, you're bringing the nerves back out in me. Uh, this is incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you're, an, you're a legend. Um, anybody like over 2,000 games coached uh, in the CHL with the Ottawa 67s. Uh, but, you know, that's what gets talked about a lot. Uh, Brian, but I want to talk a little bit about your playing days because you were a hell of a player. Uh, I want to talk about where your love from the game came from uh, back in 1934 when you were born. Well, when I, you know, growing up, uh, I was lucky that uh, there was a couple uncles in our family that had played hockey. And so as I was having my birthdays, 12, 13, 14, when you realize, um, who they were and what they've done. Uh, I just wanted to be a hockey player. And 
I was following the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, every day I'd race back to find out how Gordie Howe did and how the Red Wings did. But I became a Detroit fan because my three uncles all played in Detroit. So I was going to be a hockey player from day one. <laughs> That's amazing. And a hell of a player you were. Uh, you played in the in the old O with, uh, with Hamilton. Tell me a little bit about that experience uh, back in the day, playing against uh, some legends. And, and obviously, you became a legend yourself. But what do you remember, uh, Brian, from your junior days? Uh, I know it's a long time ago, but if there's one memory from your playing days, um, you know, 16 to, to 19, whatever it was when you played, uh, is there one that sticks out for you back in junior? Well, if I started uh, quickly, when I was 16, I was playing for the Monogards here in Ottawa. We got beat out. Uh, there was a senior team that brought from Macedonians, and they had asked me to go up and play. So I went up and played. I must have played about between 25 and 30 playoff games with seniors. And um, yeah, they, they were tough. They were good, and I was careful. But as it turned out, I think it helped me uh, because the next year I went to Hamilton with Jimmy Skinner, and I made the Hamilton Club two years there, and I had Jimmy Skinner, and he was just a, a great coach, and he went on to coach the Detroit Red Wings. And so I was in the Detroit chain for a while, but in my junior days, I remember very well because um, uh, it, there was only six, uh, six or eight teams in the OHA in that time, and uh, the competition was good, and uh, you had to work hard to, to get better. That's right. It's all about working hard, and I think we'll get to that. Those are those are the the values you instilled, and I think we're going to get to hear from somebody actually directly here shortly. But uh, Brian, you uh, you got to play for for Eddie Shore. Um, what was that experience like? And I know there's all these stories about Eddie and old time hockey, and uh, that to me is is man, like I can't even. The fact that you got to play for Eddie Shore, and then the fact that I get to talk to Brian Kilray, I mean, wow. Like, um, what was that experience like? Because it seems like you guys really hit it off where some other guys maybe maybe butted heads with him a little bit more. Well, I, I you know, when I got there, he was the one turning me pro. And um, he had seen me playing down in the International League and offered me a chance to come up and see if I was good enough for his team. But as it turned out, I did make it. And you know, he was ahead of himself. He had a lot of little things that were really good. Unfortunately, he owned the club, and um, money was a, an issue and a big issue with him. But uh, as far as teaching and knowing the game, certainly he knew the game, certainly he could teach. But uh, off ice, he was very difficult to all players, including myself, because if I told you all the stories about what he made me do, and then that's just me. Uh, you probably wouldn't believe it, but <laughs> I mean, I had to play a game after I had a double fracture of the jaw in a playoff game on a, for instance, on a Wednesday night. They said it; they couldn't do it till Thursday night because of the swelling. And then Saturday morning, I'm down to the rink, dressed and played a game that night because Eddie Shore said I could, and uh, he had told me, get out in the ice and put your stuff on. It was a playoff game against Cleveland. So there, that's only one story. But uh, he was a teacher, but uh, he, was very, he was very tough on a lot of players. 
Yeah, and I think I think you know what I mean. It was it was a little bit of a little bit of a different time back then, for sure. I'm not sure how much of uh, those techniques would work on on the players today with with everything. But uh, what an experience, uh, Brian! That that's amazing. And uh, you got a taste of the NHL as well. 26 games. Uh, you were you were also an AHL Hall of Famer. Uh, man, like you, you tore up the American Hockey League, which in my opinion, uh, I can't really speak on it because I didn't play uh, or see it back then. But from my experience of playing in the American Hockey League, even uh, in like the early, not early 2000s, but 2008, 2009, what a hard, tough league. And so I can only imagine that that league was even like a hundred times tougher and, and harder. And, and I couldn't imagine. So um is there a story from the old American Hockey League uh, that you can share with us, Brian, that that maybe uh, would shock people or, or maybe the kids today would be like, wow, that's kind of that's a lot different. Well, yeah, I could tell you, like when I joined the club in 59, we had a real good hockey club, but our backbone was a goaltender by the name of Marcel Pai. And uh, as it turned out, we won three college cups in a row uh, consecutive. Yeah. It's never been done before. And uh, Marcel was big reason. We had a real good team and a, a big, strong defense, but the fell in the nets made the difference. And so when you think of it, uh, we had great success, but uh, it didn't really matter to Eddie if you won the championship or not. You didn't get much of a raise. I remember uh, we won three color cups, and I went from $4,000 a year, 42 47 57, that's after three color cups. We had some players coming into the American League in Rochester, for instance. They were getting 7500 to start, and here we were. There was a bunch of us in Springfield just around that five, 6000 mark that already been on three color cup championships. So everybody thought, oh, you, must, you guys must be really up there. Well, we weren't because Eddie Shore didn't throw money around uh, he made a lot, but the players didn't. Wow, eh? That uh, <laughs> certainly different, eh? Oh yeah, I mean today players they're going in, they're they're signing contracts in the American League, seven eighty thousand, and sometimes if they're a pro and they're very close to up and down, I saw where somebody just signed for two hundred thousand. Well. When I went to the National League when they had the expansion in 1967, uh, we were all getting less than $15,000 because I remember the, the, Larry Regan was the manager. He was trying to keep everybody 13, 13, 5, 14. And no matter where you played or what you did. So other than Terry Sawchuk, everybody was uh, in that category. Now it's just gone wild with the millions and millions. I mean, Average players are getting four and five million dollars, you know. So everybody thinks coming out of junior, you're going to make millions of dollars, but uh, you better be careful because uh, it's a hard life and it's a short life. Yeah, and it certainly is. And uh, I think I think someone like you, like hockey, though, for you um, was was obviously your your entire life, Brian, and you've done so much uh, for the game. Uh, the NHLPA uh, is a direct result because of you and Alan Eagleson. Uh, 
and you know, there's a lot. You've coached over 2,000 games uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, and um, arguably the greatest hockey coach of all time. Um, and well, you laugh, but it's true. And uh, it's the, coming from me. That might not mean a lot, but I hear the the greats um, say that. So. Um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get the chance to, to watch you coach, uh, growing up in the West coast, but, um, I can't tell you how much, uh, Matt, my friend, Matt here and his, his family, um, you know, even his sister and his dad, like they just, they're diehard, uh, 67 fans. So, you know, like they were at every game, season tickets, all of that. And, uh, I think Matt was even there when you came back for your, uh, your single game contract when you were 80 years old. I don't know if people, I think most people do know that, that you came back and, and got your, uh, your very last win on your 80th birthday. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I didn't really, uh, you know, that was, uh, the fellows that were coaching here at that time. It was Jeff Brown. And, uh, for some reason or other, they thought that, um, because uh, I used to be around the players occasionally, and I was still scouting, so I knew some of them. And they said, "Why don't you just come on the bench?" Well, uh, I had said, "No, no, you guys are doing a good job. You don't need me." But anyway, they talked me into going behind the bench for my birthday, and uh, the fans responded. It was it was a nice gesture, and uh, so at the end of the game, which we won, uh, Dave Branch was there, and uh, he said, we're going to count that into your total. And I said, Dave, you can't do that because I'm only a guest coach. And anyway, uh, he counted it, and I never did. So as far as I was concerned, uh, it stopped at 11.93, but <laughs> Dave Branch said, no, it's 11.94, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, I was happy to be there. The players worked hard and I remember after the game going in and talking to them and just letting them know uh, how hard they worked and how tough a game it was to win and I thanked them for what they did and um, at the end I, I sort of went what I usually did when I was a, when I was coaching uh, before and I went in and I told different players I said uh, if you remember what you did in the first or you did in the second or somebody else did in the third, I said, they all amount to game-winning plays that contributed to win. So when you win a game like this, everybody contributes. And so I always felt that that was the way to coach. And so for one game, I did it. Well, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. It's funny. You're like, well, it only says eleven ninety three. Only eleven ninety three. That's hilarious. Um, what a, you may have. Uh, watched um and coached more hockey than than anybody ever maybe um like you know i was thinking about that this morning um is there anybody that's that's watched and coached more hockey in the history of the world than brian kilray and um to my knowledge i couldn't think of anybody and i'd be curious if anybody actually knows the stat on that um i didn't have the time to to actually look at that but like you have invested so much time uh, to the game of hockey, and you've had such an impact um, on so many uh, people's lives, not just your players, but the staff. Um, and I can't imagine how many, um, you know, young boys have come back to you when they're young men and 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 talked to you and, and thanked you. And 
Um, I'm, I imagine that must feel pretty good uh, to know that you've left such a lasting impact, not only on the game of hockey, um, which is incredible, but maybe more importantly on on these young men's lives and also the staff around you, Brian, because you've really um, you, you've really given us so much. And, and I say us uh, because I feel I'm part of the hockey community and, and you've you've just made such an impact. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. Well, when I think back, uh, I always said I'm as proud of the players that went on to to uh, the working life, uh, and you know they didn't get the chance to maybe fulfill a dream of being a pro hockey player. But because they got an education, and because of not some rules that we had here, and uh, we tried to make them grow up to be responsible young men as well, and uh, follow the guidelines, and so. Uh, certainly there's an awful lot of my players that went on and they're they're in the police department, the fire department, uh, some are lawyers, some are accountants, but they went into the business world and um, I feel proud that they still come back, remember their days and as a 67 and are thankful for what they, uh, what they learned and the guidance that they had here. So everything all isn't, they're going to make the National Hockey League because it's a, a tough league to make, but uh, they are going to work sometime or other, whether they make the National League or not. So we tried to prepare them and let them understand what was going to be down the road. And uh, I think we did that, and that's what I'm most proud of. Well, that's, yeah, I like I said too, right? And that's the thing is, um, you know, we all have that dream of, of going on and, and playing professional hockey. And we, uh, you know, we don't all, always get that, that opportunity. I think maybe we all get that opportunity coming out of junior, but I think, you know, obviously some things happen for some guys and some things don't, some guys work harder, some, some are better, um, whatever the case is. Uh, however, that dream is, is usually the same for, for each individual. So, um, it's, it's been apparent to me, uh, Brian, that a lot of guys, um, and not just coming out of major junior, I just mean retiring from hockey whenever it is, uh, could be at, uh, 16, 17 years old after playing midget or, uh, after a junior B career or an OHL, WHL career, doesn't matter pro career. It seems like there's a, there's quite a, a handful of guys that are, that have a difficult time, uh, finding themselves, uh, away from the game of hockey. Has that been, um, you know, have you seen much of that at all? Yeah, I have. And I, you know, you feel bad, but I mean, they have to channel their energy to something else. I mean, everybody isn't going to make it. I mean, when you take a, a team of 20, maybe one or two will get the chance to go on and be a professional hockey player, whether they make the American League or National League or go to Europe. But uh, they're still someday going to have to work. They're going to have to pursue another dream. And so, don't put all your eggs in one basket and say, I'm only going to be a hockey player. Get the education at the same time and make sure you're a good person because you never know what way it's going to, what way it's going to turn. So you may get lucky enough to go into, well, like right now it's computer world or it's a lawyer's world or whatever the case. And uh, it's um, just something that, keep the door open because you never know which door is going to open. And uh, I always try to teach our players respect uh, the law officers and the police, mainly because a lot of times they grow up with this, 
uh, they're there to catch us. Well, they're not. They're there to help you. And so uh, we were lucky here in Ottawa. The police department used to send a, a constable down, a, a sergeant down at different times, undercover police down, uh, drug people down, and they talked to our players. And our players got to know them, and they got to respect them. They even let them go for some ride-alongs. Yeah. And uh, I always let the players know that they can be your friend and uh, don't try to obstruct them in any way. Help them out because sometimes you may be in a position where um, you can help them. And so I, I like to think that uh, they did, they listened, and I know I was really fortunate in having the caliber players that we had come through Ottawa. Yeah, and that's, yeah, and it's, you guys had, uh, some tremendous uh, guys come through there. And I think a lot of it too is a tribute to you and, and how you groom these young men, because um, I think a lot of guys, when you come into 15, 16, sometimes 17 years old, I mean, they're just kids. And, and sometimes, you know, if you're not, if you're not shown the proper way to be a pro or how to handle yourself or, or whatever, that can really make an, a lasting impact on a guy's hockey career. Um, because we like, you know, you go to a draft interview or you meet a scout or whatever. And if you're not dressed the right way, or if you're not, um, you know, approaching him the right way, saying the right things, which it can sometimes that first impression can, can really make a huge difference. So I think you've done a great job. I actually know you've done a great job uh, over the, the course of your career, just grooming these men, not only for their lives in hockey, but certainly outside of hockey. Um, and uh, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat is drying up on me, um, but I'm, I was glad you brought up the police for, I want to just take a drink here, Brian, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> excuse me, but I was glad you brought up uh, the police, because um, when I was in Swift Current and also Kelowna, uh, we had such a great relationship with the RCMP. I know it's the OPP a lot out here in Ontario. The RCMP is here too, but uh, it's a pretty RCMP-dominated world out in the West Coast, and it's certainly in Kelowna at the time it was. And uh, it was amazing because in Swift Current, uh, we actually got to go, the team, in uh, I think it was three or four different groups, we got to go to the shooting range in Swift Current uh, and shoot like their guns, like under their, you know what I mean? Like they watched us and everything. Under their the, supervision, that's sure. right. And then, and then when, which was even cooler, Brian, my 20 year old year in Kelowna, and I'm glad you brought this up because then I can share it with everybody. Cause I've never talked about this before. Uh, we actually got to go to the airport and, uh, and uh, James McEwen got to put on, who was our captain, he's been on my show, but he actually got to put on the dog bite suit and run away from the German Shepherds. And then we got to go up in the police uh, RCMP helicopter, which was incredible. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those, but holy cow. No, I never have. And uh, all I know is I tell you, it's really noisy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But they had the infrared cameras go in, and this was back in 2008, so I can imagine they've upped their technology since then, but what an experience. So, you know, that's that's a great, great point, and, and that's a, a thing, too, like, obviously, my story, I had a little run-in with the law and my addiction, and, and now that I'm clean, I, obviously, I have the same mentality as you. My dad is a retired firefighter, and, uh, you know, he's a lot of friends that are police officers and and so it was a it was a and he's also a scout for the Saskatoon Blades so when I went through all of this stuff uh, I was kind of hard on my dad and uh, it was obviously embarrassing and everything but 
uh, as far as the relationship with with the uh, law officers go, I think it's super important. And Brian, I'll share a couple of people have heard this story, but it's interesting. So when I first started the podcast, Brian, I, I want to hear more from you, but I think this is a cool story because you mentioned the police. So <clears throat> when I started the podcast, or but just before I started the podcast, I didn't really know what I was going to do because, uh, you know, I was kind of lost. Um, I knew I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore with that old life. And I knew that I needed to get back in the hockey community. So at the time, I was living in Bracebridge. And uh, so I reached out. I was like, what junior teams around here? So I found out there was a junior team in Huntsville. And so I emailed the the GM at the time and just a long shot. I said, this is before the podcast, before Sportsnet did a story on me, before any of it. Basically, all if all he would have been able to find on me was was the last thing of me being arrested on Google, right? So it was all negative. So I wrote him an email and I said, Hey, my name is Brady Liebel. This is my story. Um, you know, I just would I would love to volunteer my time. If you have trials, I'll come watch. The kids don't even need to know that I'm there. I'll just take, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll just sit in the stands and if you need anything for me, I'll do it, whatever. And I didn't think he was going to email me back, uh, but he did the very next day. Uh, so we, and we continued to talk for months and months and we became like friends over texting and, and whatever. And because of COVID, nothing happened, but we still talk. And I didn't find out till about four or five months later that he in fact is a bear, a Barry police officer. So, um, so it it was, in fact, a, a Barry police officer that gave me my very first chance uh, back in the hockey community. Um, so that's kind of uh, kind of incredible. These guys uh, are definitely not out to get you. Uh, they are certainly out to help you. So I would like to uh, echo what you said there. Brian, I'm going to try to uh, to bring in somebody here, if you don't mind. By all means. Okay, so I'm just going to play some music and try to figure this out. So give me about 15 seconds. Go ahead. Thank you. Ryan, you're on with Lance Galbraith. Oh. Hello, Lance. You, you got... holding the fort down there? What are you doing? Yeah, I am. There's a guy that's played more games than anyone in the history of uh, the uh, Ottawa 67s. Peter Lee used to have the record. Now Lance has it. And he also uh, participated in more playoff games than anyone else in the history of the 67s. Well, coach, I think I was just a good luck charm. Either that or he just wouldn't let me come out of the lineup. No, you were a good luck charm. And uh, I'll never forget there was one story. Uh, there was a curfew missed by uh, Lance one night. And so the rule was you didn't play the next game. And our captain was one of our most respected players, David Bell. Anyway, we lost the game because Lance was suspended for that one game because of the rules and um, Dave Bell met me at the door before 
just as the game was over and he said, why did you bench Slack? I said, well, the rules are, Dave. And he said, we're a better team with him in the lineup. And uh, I said, okay, I, I may, I penalized 19 other guys to show that Lance was uh, suspended for a game. I hurt the team, but uh, kept a rule intact. Yeah, you did. Thank God you didn't check me out all those other times, killer. But I was, I was usually pretty good, especially when I lived two houses down from you. If I ever, if I wanted to come to some chalk talk, you were just down the street. Yeah, it was it was nice. I didn't have to. I could, instead of phoning you for curfew, I could go down and knock on the door. <laughs> well, well, if you knock on the door and I open it, then you got to stay to have a couple more beers with me. <laughs> there's, always, there's always a good and bad with that. You knew that, eh, Brian? Uh, yeah, it was. We uh, we sort of had a different rule here. We wanted to make sure the players had fun, but when the, the games came, uh, it was all seriousness, and uh, we did a pretty good job. We had a pretty good record. Oh, absolutely. If you, I don't think well. We went there. We never always went. We always went the second round to the final. And then my last year, uh, you know, I got stuck in, well, not stuck. I was in the American Hockey League, and I was on the bubble and on the bubble. And, you know, all I could think about, you know, obviously I should have been thinking about getting in the American League. And I, I know I remember Lou Crawford said, oh, you know, you're going to be the last touch. I didn't say it to him, and I didn't say it to anybody, but I remember calling you, Brian. And I said, what time are you picking me up at the airport? And there you were. You picked me up at the airport, and I was the happiest kid ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me. Yeah, and it turned out to be. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Lance. Take it away. Yeah. Oh, and that year, yeah, that year there was ups and downs. There was, uh, Ryan can tell you, you know, we were a good team, but we thought we were better than we were. Uh, we had some, uh, you know, we had some, we had some problems in the dressing room. We had some problems on the bench. Uh, and you know what? Brian kind of, you know, he was his way or no way. And, you know, uh, I remember one time we went into, uh, it was uh, Plymouth. You know, I, uh, Plymouth had a couple of Toronto players, uh, draft picks. We had draft picks. Uh, and uh, I was I was probably one of the best players at the, at the tournament. And uh, Brian came in and laid the law down. Some guys thought it was just an easy way to, uh, you know, thought they were going to walk on Brian. Uh, you know, myself too, I had an attitude. I was young. He even said to me, I don't care even care if you play or not. I know about three or four other guys didn't play. I don't think we ever lost another hockey game, only going into the playoffs, and that was a championship team we won. We all bared together. I don't think we had another uh, – I don't think we had any more problems. I think Brian just uh, you know, pretty much said, hey, it's my way or no way. And, and you know what? We went on. Some lines were changed. Uh, Guys got together and pretty much said, hey, he wants to win. We got the team to win. And, uh, you know, we went all the way to the, the Regina, and, you know, we just ran out of gas. But that's a funny story. No one knows. They just thought that was probably, uh, probably the, you know, not the best team I played on, but we worked hard. We wanted to win, and we all really liked each other. And, no, not like if you want to win, you got to say, yeah, we loved each other, and we loved going to the rink.
And that's the biggest thing, right, is is building that bond. And sometimes that's hard to do in junior hockey because of the quick turnaround. So when you find that group, uh, you know, in those in those couple, two, three years, when you can really put a team together, when they gel, it is really something special. And uh, I just missed it by a year in Kelowna when they went uh, in 2009, but it was starting to happen the year before. So I've, I feel very fortunate to be able to play with guys like Jamie Ben and Tyler Myers and Tyson Berry and all those guys uh, calling long. But uh, what an experience for you guys. And, and I just want to say, when I brought you in, Lance, holy was uh killer excited i can tell that you guys uh you guys both are excited that's that was awesome that put a huge smile on my face and and uh, i'm so glad that that you guys are both joining me if you guys are just hopping on it's uh it's brady Bold with uh brian kilray and lance galbraith uh both former ottawa 67s obviously killer is a coach um and lance is a 67s legend as well and yeah I don't, I don't know how i did it i don't know with brian's patience and uh you know you usually don't see cc guys play underage overage and i remember brian you had a drill i remember remember the four shot drill and it was you were always in the corner you remember that drill killer is he there did we lose him killer i think we lost killer We'll have to try to bring him back here. Hold on. Okay. Let's see if we can't bring him back here. Brian? No. Hold on there. Hello? Hey, Brian, are you there? Killer. Hello? Hold on there, Lance. Let me uh, let me call you back. I'm, I got bad reception here. Oh. Oh. Hold on there, guys. Just give me a second here. I don't know what's happening. Uh, terrible uh, reception here. Just let me put on... Uh, let me bring it all back for you. These things happen. Oh, you're there. Okay. You're there, Brian. Yes, I am. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, let me bring Lance back. Just a second here. I don't know what happened. Please stay on the line while your call is completed. All right, I think we're back. You there, Coach? I'm there, Lance. What's up? Uh, I thought you heard enough of my stories already. You hung up the phone. <laughs> no. Lance, yeah, you were one of those guys that uh, was a breath of fresh air. You never know what you're going to do next. But when it came time to play the game, uh, it was all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I came from a good system, you know, and the, the, you know, the young Nats and winning was the main thing, uh, you know, that uh, Come to Ottawa. I don't even that. We we won everything, you know. We've uh, obviously there was a couple of tough tough breaks in the, you know, the first uh, my first year, second year losing that. But team, 
uh, uh, round three, we won the whole championship Memorial Cup. I thought, I thought, uh, you know, I look back on it, my fourth year, if no one gets hurt, I think that's the team to, to go all the way with Malcolm, uh, SDA, you had, uh, Oh yeah. We had, had some good time. players. Oh, absolutely. We just, you know, we had, I know we were playing the playoffs with nine guys because we didn't really have any, but, you know, in that fourth year to come back, there was, uh, you know, I, I wanted to come back and, you know, it turned out to be one of the best years of my life. And, just the way we won, and I knew we we just ran out of gas when we were in that Memorial Cup, and you knew it, and, and I knew it. Yeah, and, we had a couple of injuries, and you can't use those excuses. But when key players get hurt, we didn't have a lot of depth. But the big thing was, I don't think I think some people would like to hear this story. Uh, the year that Lance was drafted by the Ottawa 67s, it was in the third round, and uh, I had talked to my scout, Joe Rowley, and a friend of mine, Jack Ferguson, and they were both real good friends, and they both said the same thing. Next year, there's a kid that's going to be in the first round. His name is Lance Galbraith. He makes his team go. He isn't quite ready this year. Anyway, as it turned out, uh, we gambled, took him that year, and then took Dan Tessier, the next pick, and we just solidified our team for four years of future greatness because they both matched, they both were leaders, and they both contributed to great success. Yeah, yeah definitely. There was a lot of fun, too. And well, you know what it is. When you're winning, winning's fun, and you can't take that away from anybody. And we didn't just win because we win. We played hard. We played tough. And if you did beat us, you know, our coach never told us to go out, but you can see a bunch of probably 10, 15 angry guys out there with the last minute and a half, and we're trying to say, hey, and I'm probably one of them, don't do something stupid, it's just we wanted to show the other team, hey, you might have beat us, but we don't, we don't, we don't like it, you know, it doesn't sit good in our stomach, so we all had that, and, uh, you know, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't taught by a killer telling us to go and do it, but it's just a matter of us saying, hey, you want to beat us, you know, we don't like it, and be prepared for what could be coming. That's right. They have. They're going to have to work sixty minutes to beat us, and if they did, that's fine. But uh, I, uh, I prided ourselves on our team that we would work the sixty minutes, and that's all you can ask for as a coach. Yeah. Oh, yes. And it was uh, like I said. Everyone always asks me, "How was it? How was it in Ottawa?" The people don't believe me. I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I said it was the best five years of my life, you know, winning. Like, you cannot go where it's winning. And then my first year pro killer, I go to Augusta, and you know how I am. You know, first of all, I got to start at the bottom, be a rookie, whatever, you know, work, work, work. But, you know, you're not getting the ice. The team's not playing well. And, you know, I thought I adapted really well to, you know, to the league. But yeah, still, they always, you know, there's some coaches out there, they think if you're not a rookie, you got to pay your dues. But I lost the playoffs, but I think, uh, you know, to get in the playoffs by two or three points, and I think I could have really helped that team. And I was just like, you know what? I didn't get the opportunity that I did get in juniors. You know, even if it was just one game, let's see what he brings. You know, yeah. I, I, just, I, just didn't, I just didn't get that in my first year. And but once I did get it, you know, starting my third year, I won a championship. And then, uh, then the points started coming uh, like they did in junior. And, you know, points, the wins. I never missed a playoff game again. You know what I mean? So, 
And then, uh, you know, you go on and win two championships and it just shows, you know what I mean? Well, Lance, you were, yeah, Lance, you were an absolute warrior because, uh, and I, Lance, you know this, I haven't shared this with anybody and, uh, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, like a fighter by any means. I mean, I fought quite a bit, but I fought, I fought guys that were six foot eight. I fought guys six foot six. Um, just like Lance did. Uh, but I didn't fight Lance when Lance asked me to fight when I played against him in the East Coast Hockey League because guys on my own team were putting doubt in my mind like, yo, that guy's like, you think you have screws loose? That guy's like you too that guy's like you too that's what they used to tell me he's like an older version of you and i'm like oh my god like so i'm like uh i remember lance chasing me around the ice like i was the only guy i was scared to fight i think my whole career um you know obviously if i would have played in the nhl i probably would have been scared to fight some of those heavyweight guys probably wouldn't have done it but i just never got there so lance uh full disclosure on this podcast you were the guy that i was scared of so and you know that i've told you that so Oh, oh, sorry. Give the driver a driver friends now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's when you. Well, usually, I really didn't fight at the end of my well, end of my career, but it's when I, you know, I think Ryan actually instilled this in me. You never fight when you're ahead, and you know, only try to fight. You know, well, he never ever told me to fight, but like, well, maybe you can help a teammate out. I always help the teammate out. But, or, or if you could change the game around. So That's right. he must have been beaten up that day in Victoria or, or Alaska, wherever it was. Yeah, you were pissed. Which <laughs> time? Which time, man? Yeah. Which time? It was like every time we played you, I didn't even want to play, to be honest. Like, oh, that's how bad it was. Like, these got my own teammates were putting that doubt in my mind. And that's, you know what I mean? It was, but yeah, we actually, uh, we had some success against you guys in Alaska uh, when we played you. And, and that was fun, man. I used to love uh, going up to, that's when I, people ask me where my favorite place in the entire world is. I say it's Alaska. When I went to, when, when, when I got off the plane there, there's something about the air and everything. It's just so clean and uh, oh, absolutely. beautiful. I can't even explain it. But. Absolutely. I stayed there for two years and it's unfortunate that it's, well, obviously they didn't have enough money with everything to travel and all that. But you know, when I played there, it's like, and there's another thing that really broke my heart. I went to game seven and lost in the final there. And that's what really broke my heart coming down to my last two, three years of hockey. I was like, I never lose. I never lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you know, I'm not sounding cocky, but like, I was like, I never lose. And then, yeah, I lost in game seven, final season. Uh, you couldn't even get a seat in the rink. You know what I mean? But it was in Alaska. And you know what I mean? Like, it was just a phenomenal, like, the place was going nuts. Yeah. You couldn't even see a seat crowd if you did your lions. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What uh, you guys used to pack? You guys used to pack it here in Ottawa too, eh? Like it was it was pretty much sold out every night, wasn't it? Yeah, well, our first two years, uh, Killer, uh, we had two owners, uh, and I don't know how much they were involved. Uh, uh, absolutely <laughs> great, great people. But uh, then Jeff Hunt, uh, you know, a very good friend of Peter. Of uh, mine and Killers, and you know, the 67s. I don't know where they would have been without him. And then we step up for our first game. I remember playing Don Terry. Do you remember, Brian? Yes, I sure do. Packed the rink. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, you know, it was the first game of the year, and this was, uh, this was the only time. Actually, no, this was alive, but it was sold out anyway. But one game, Killer broke the record. Remember, I'm playing Peterborough, coach. Remember that? And we broke the, we, uh, you couldn't see a seat in there either because Killer was Killer's night. We need to, we needed a win to go over uh, to break break his uh, 
how, break the winning re- uh, the winning record. How, how cool! How cool is that, man? Like you got to be a part of that, and what an experience! Holy shit! Like, like, wow! You obviously remember that killer. Yes, I do. Yeah, we've had <laughs> some pretty good highlights, but uh, you know, there, uh, there's a story away from hockey. Uh, when Lance came back and he was living, as he said, uh, a couple of doors from me, his uh, his landlady passed away uh, after Lance was up in Alaska. And you know that uh, Lance um, came down, paid his respects at the wake for uh, wow. that lady. And I just think that was, when I saw him there, I knew what she had meant, uh, Grace and Ted, what they had meant to Lance in his uh time here in Ottawa and uh, that was a that was a big moment uh, sort of tugged at the heartstrings when you saw that no kidding and, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was very tough because coach you knew what I was going through coming back that year obviously and there were a new billet coming through and uh, you know I don't know if Ryan searched all summer or, you know to, to find Ted and Grace but uh, they did uh, when I got back and I met these people and then you know I would even come back in the summers and, you know, stay with them and, you know, enjoy summers. I still remember tears in their eyes when the season was over and they didn't want me to go home. And, you know, I, I love Ottawa. I didn't want to go home, but obviously you got to go see your parents, parents too. But, they, yeah, they, uh, you know, that that year, that was phenomenal because I needed that year. I had a little bit of uh, something going on outside of hockey. Uh, and I had, uh, you know, my, my, my team. I had my team as a, a good, uh, good, good to lean on. Plus, uh, all my coaches, anybody within Ottawa, and then to come home to have my billets. Whoever never, never brought it up. Just wanted to make sure every day was, you know, good. And you know, I was, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't having any crazy ideas or anything. But uh, yeah, I miss them dearly. And you know, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it says what they're going. Well, um, yeah, and it, it's a. It- you know what? It's it's hard, and and I think that's uh, it's amazing that you have those memories and that you were uh, given the opportunity to live with such amazing people, and and I was too in in both Kelowna and Swift Current, and and shout out to all the billets across, uh, you know, across Canada and the states that do such a remarkable job for for all the junior hockey players, and and Lance, it just shows the the type of guy you are. Uh, to get down there uh, to pay your respects. And Brian, thanks for sharing that with us because uh, I don't know if Lance would ever shared that uh, with us. But uh, that that doesn't surprise me because even though Lance was the guy I was scared of uh, on the ice, uh, he's certainly shown me uh, the type of guy and teammate he would have been uh, if I would ever got to play with him uh, since then. Like we're on the same team now, even though we're not playing hockey, I can't even tell you uh, how great Lance has been to me uh, just even getting to talk to him and stuff. So, um, Lance, uh, you're you're a great you're a great guy. I know that uh, things aren't aren't the greatest for you right now, but man, like uh, you know, you hear you hear Brian Kilray talk about you um, with with such um, kind words, and and that's you know, yeah, you grew into the man you did, and and he helped you. But uh, you know, it's it's really nice to to hear and and to hear how excited he got when you came on the phone and and just to rekindle this relationship a little bit. It's and, and hear your guys' memories. It's been such a privilege, um, and you know we'll carry on for for a few more minutes. Uh, but I don't want to keep Brian too long. We're we're closing in on an hour. But well, I just wanted to I wanted to let Brian know if he did know Brian about uh, he just he probably didn't know my parents that well because my parents. 
I think probably only met him uh, or seen him. My parents were very quiet, but probably met him just, you know, when I was the rookie coming in, seeing what's going on. Uh, my dad was at a lot of games. My mom, because I, I liked to fight a little bit, she didn't like that. Ryan, uh, both my parents passed away here in the last year. And then I didn't know if you knew. And then my mom, I had my mom for seven months, and she finally passed away here on New on Mother's Day. So I'm just uh, at the house. I'm renovating, renovating the house. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're proud. I'm pretty sure out of, they're pretty pretty proud of what I, you know, accomplished going through. And, you know, Brian, I don't think any other junior coach would have been there to stand for me as much as you did. And I'm very thankful for that. Well, uh, Lance, it was an easy thing to do. You came here, you worked hard, you made us better, and uh, every every fan respected you. So for what you did, we can all be thankful. And uh, these tough times you're going through, uh, there's no doubt that you'll fight your way through it and uh, become a better person at the other end. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me on today. Uh, any other time, uh, feel free to call. My number is always open. And, uh, Coach, uh, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, I was talking to a couple other people, I guess, about hockey. Uh, I don't know if you, you can say, are we are we looking to be sitting out another year, Coach? Or, uh, like, obviously, our junior kids are... Uh, do you know anything I hear? Uh, I don't... Lance, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. They keep saying that they may try to start in January. I think it's going to be very difficult, more so uh, one of the reasons being um, I know that there's no fans. Well, I think there's too many teams that would suffer because they don't all draw huge. But not only that, but uh, I always worry about the players. Uh, they're going to different ranks, playing against different players, but coming back home to their landladies and landlords and the kids that they may have of their own. I just think it's going to be a tough time. So I don't know if there's going to be a season here or not. Uh, Dave Branch will steer us through and do it correct, but I kind of think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, just as what you were saying there is uh, saying my brother's a head referee too. Uh, I try to ask him his questions. Uh, one of my best friends is an assistant coach in Boise, Idaho. I was just on before you guys called. I was talking to him. I think uh, I think uh, just I think it needs to be sat sat out, sit out the season. Sorry, I know uh, we've got to look here the the athletes, and then there is other people like you said. If the athlete catches it, and there's an older billet, and then just other things, I think we're going to take precautions big time. And uh, you know, hockey will be there, but maybe for the if it's six more months or whatever, you know, then we got to wait that and sit it out, and then hopefully we can move forward on a, a positive. You're right. It's safety first. Yeah, that's the big thing. Safety first, and I think that the what is it, Quebec leagues, and I think they were shut down. And yeah, I think I, I don't think anybody's ready for this. I know the NHL. Yeah, I think they did it right, but again, we're not the NHL, and we got kids we got to take care of, and landladies, and then other kids that are in the house. So. We That's right. We're, we're going to put the, the the stop button on this for a while until we have something right out to like a hundred percent that we're we're in on it. You know what I mean? Not fifty, fifty, no. or fifty, thirty. When it's good for everybody. Yeah. Yes, no. that's for that's what 
I thought it was a little bit con- like I thought it was confusing at one point. The the OHL or the Quebec League was going to start, and the other leagues weren't. And then I was like, "How are they going to play for the Memorial Cup? Like, what what's going on?" I, I feel like we should all just be on the same page. Um, and, and I mean, it's I, these teams are struggling. Uh, I agree with you, Brian. They need though they don't draw huge and make a ton of money. Maybe every home game they're still bringing in that that revenue that they need and they rely on to survive to put gas in the bus to pay their their PR guys and their coaches and and you know the the players and all of it and the gear and uh, there's a lot that goes into a major junior franchise uh it's just a little mini NHL team so uh i hope yeah, to see you're, you're, oh, sorry to cut no, go ahead thinking, then you're thinking about the draft and everything i i don't know not to, i just i would just like to make it right with the players cuz you know the fans are there i know it's not fun to play i know it's fun to no fans and, but I know in junior, too, if you're not making any money, you're losing money. You know, it's not, that doesn't help either. So I think they're going to, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to really think this one out and, and then go from there. I see no hitting on one spot, or I've heard. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I, I just think it's a timeout and that's it. End the story and keep everybody safe. That's right. Hey, I have a couple, uh, Brian, I have a couple questions coming in. If you don't mind, I have one from my buddy, Phil Myaskowski. He says, he wants to know how good Andrew Castles was. Do you remember Andrew Castles? He was the only player. Andrew Castles, when he joined our club, he was the only player in the history of the 67s that was voted by the players three years in a row as the most valuable player. Okay, so he was So that tells you how good he was and what the team thought of. There you go. That answers your question, Phil. He was something very special. Also, uh, David Carlson would like to know uh, if you know the late, if you knew the late Howie Meeker. I didn't know Howie. I just knew of him. Yeah. And all I know is that um, he was a bundle of energy. He was entertaining uh, when he was TV, but he, he was also uh, a long time before that uh, a great hockey player and. Uh, he was in the area of the Toronto winning Stanley Cups. That's right. Um, so, so I, got, well, I got a question for you. Who's funnier, me or Jim Ralph? Uh, Jim Ralph was entertaining. You were funny. <laughs> okay, so I'll fix that. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. I got, the, I got a doctor's appointment over the phone as usual because of all this other, uh, with everything that's COVID. But uh, Brian, I'd like to say hi to Bert, hi to Judy, and uh, make sure everyone knows I said hi. I miss Otto. And, uh, once I get everything organized here in my house, uh, you know, I'd like to get down there and hopefully see some games like I seen a couple of years ago. And and when when you were when you were scouting my teammates, when you were scouting my team back in Hamilton. Don't worry, I'll be scouting when the hockey starts again. So look forward to it. Okay, Coach, you take care, and this has been a, a, a great time. Hey, thanks. Lance, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Brian, if you just stay for another minute, I'd, I'd like to just uh, talk yeah. to you quickly. Thanks, Lance. I got one I got one, one thing I'd like to tell you. Remember you said to me, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, well, one thing you said, is there anyone who watches as many games as me? I don't know, but uh, if I had to guess... I picked Don Cherry because he used to watch every game, every game, uh, even to one and two o'clock in the morning from the West Coast. Uh, He was the diehard. 
Oh man, that would be uh, that would be a dream come true, and I know Brian and Don are, are great friends, and that's something that I stayed away from because you don't want to get me started on the whole Don Cherry CBC situation. I've already talked about it. I don't even want to watch CBC anymore. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he, <laughs> I watched actually to tell you guys the truth. I went back and I watched um, endless videos where I was like, "Okay, hey, well, if your guys are going to fire him, maybe you should have." fired him 10 years ago for this like he didn't even say any like what anyways i'm not going to get into it uh don is an absolute icon as well and i miss i miss seeing him uh as well on hockey night in canada and and uh brian thanks for for sharing that with us that might be you guys might be close uh i know he watched a lot of hockey but you were standing behind the bench for a whole lot of hockey my friend yeah i was and i enjoyed every moment (laughs) all right folks brady i'm gonna take off thanks for having me it has been a pleasure, and uh, uh, just, just, just can't say thank you enough, guys. Take care. All right, Lance. We'll talk here in a bit, buddy. Okay, take care. Right. Ryan, you still there? Yes, I am. All right. Hey, killer, man. Thank you. I know you don't know me. Uh, I know my story's uh, pretty harsh, and out there you didn't uh, – you didn't have to do this, and I, sh- I certainly appreciate it, and I'll never, ever forget this. And uh, maybe hopefully when COVID lifts, maybe me and Lance can come say hi to you one day and, um, and I can, you know, shake your hand or, or just say hi to you if COVID-19 because I'm well, not. Well, I'll shake yours too. You fought through some of the things too. So works both ways. All right, Killer. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, seriously, there's no words. Congratulations on such a great career. Thank you on the on behalf of the entire hockey community for all of your service, for changing the game, for for turning young boys into young men, uh, and uh, giving certainly uh, Canada, you know, hockey is what it is because of Brian Kilray in a big way. So thank you, Killer. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much for this. All right, we'll talk soon and tell the wife we all said hello. Okay, perfect. All right, talk to you later, Killer. All right, you're welcome, Brady. Good luck, thanks. Thank you. Wow. That's how I feel about that. I'm sorry if I didn't get to all the comments. I'm going to show you guys right now. I can't because I don't have my webcam. But I don't get all the comments that come in. I don't get them right here on the screen. I have to look at my phone. And because I was talking to Lance and Brian on the phone, I couldn't do it on this episode. So I'm sorry. I don't see, for whatever reason, all the comments don't come in. I don't know why. Um, I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Thank you to Lance Galbraith for joining us. Taking a chance on Lance. Lance is uh, such a great guy. Lance, I know you're going through a hard time, my friend, and you don't know me that well. We've spoke a lot over the last few months, but, uh, you know, I'm getting a place here soon. uh, And, uh, you know, you're familiar with this area. Uh, uh, My door is always, always wide open to you uh, and anyone you're with. 
and I'm pretty sure I could say the same about Matt Thompson because he's a diehard Lance Caliber fan. To have him here, have you here would be uh, pretty incredible. So uh, we would love to get you to the One Stop Skate Shop, buddy, and and uh, hell, sign some autographs. I bet you we could get some fans to come down. We got Lance Galbraith coming down, and and could you imagine if? Uh, I got the chance to meet Brian Kilray and I could take Matt and his dad to meet Brian Kilray. It would be pretty amazing. So who knows if that's going to happen. This was absolutely more, more, more than enough. Uh, thank you so much uh, to everybody uh, who watched live. If you listened, thank you. Please subscribe wherever you're listening. If you watched on Facebook, could you please scoot over to YouTube, subscribe to my channel. I'm really trying to get it into just one place so that I think then all the comments will come through uh, on my program and it just makes it easier but I do put it a lot of places because I just want people to see it uh, so I know that sometimes I spam things and I I make a lot of live videos but I want to say thank you um, I want to give a very special shout out to Brad Bartko uh, who put on a fabulous meeting last night um, based around positivity uh, and that was over zoom um, and to everybody that took part in that meeting, uh, thank you. Uh, it was exactly what I needed last night, and I look forward to uh, to being a part of it again. Uh, Brad is an incredible human being, and he's going to be a guest on the show. Um, wow, this guy is uh, this guy is uh, is a bright, bright, bright light uh, in sometimes a pretty dark world. Um, Thank you again to Dave and Brandon Gilmore. We were able to purchase uh, some equipment for the Puck Support Foundation. So now we can um, continually make money and take care of our ambassadors and make our own clothing so that, you know, when it's a hell of a lot cheaper uh, than ordering it from China or Pakistan, or certainly, you know, what I wanted to do was have it made here in Canada, but the prices, you know, this is just the absolute best. Um, and Dave and Brandon were so supportive of the idea. And I look forward to, pressing our own shirts and and uh we're gonna get an embroidery machine eventually too um which is exciting um this is all stuff that taylor can do uh and caitlin matt's girlfriend uh and you know it's it's just really exciting um thank you to everybody who supported me i know there's lots that uh that i forget to talk about i want to give a very special shout out to some family members uh back home on the west coast um the Cherics. Uh, who is actually my my dad's aunt? My aunt Sheila would be my my great aunt, but that's my dad's aunt. That was my dad's dad's sister. That uh, was my dad's only uh, living relative uh, on my on his dad's side. Like in like that was related to his dad, right? His, his sister and um, he's got cousins, and they've all been so supportive. Uh, very special shout out to uh, Debbie Overs, um, Terry. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. And Cindy um, and all their kids. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one, uh, but I have a bad memory. I'm sorry. I just, I love you guys. Thank you for your support. Um, Sheila, I really want to talk to you because you were my grandpa's sister and uh, I need to know more about my history. Uh, especially after talking to Brian Kilray. Um, wow. 
Wasn't that awesome, guys? Congratulations to Phil Myaskowski. He's winning all the team issued swag. Uh, he knew it was Lance. Uh, gonna send you uh, those socks here today, buddy. Uh, hopefully, you got your face shields. Um, if not by today, um, uh, before I go, though, guys, uh, you know that this episode was proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. But I don't have the hat on. I got the Mustangs hat on. I'm showing you that too. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out. Teamissue.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Um, we do have Team Issued gear at the One Stop Skate Shop. Shout out to the Maxwell Mustangs. Sorry, that's what I was doing. Um, we also will have Mustang swag uh, for sale. Um, so that's cool. Uh, that's it from, from Morrisburg. Time for me to get to the One Stop Skate Shop. Uh, please follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm doing uh, most of my social media in these days. At Hockey to Heroin. Uh, the podcast, At Hockey to Hell. Uh, and of course, the Puck Support Foundation at Puck Support at Puck Support Warriors, uh, and at the one at One Stop Skate Shop, of course, guys. Uh, I can't even believe that was Brian Kilray. Thank you, Killer. Um, what a privilege and an honor that was to talk to Brian Kilray, um, and certainly uh, Lance Galbraith. Uh, who's got a new friend and somebody, like I said, I was uh, a little bit scared of, and I don't get scared of people easily. Um, and maybe a little easier back then, certainly not now. Um, can I tell you guys something? I'm really not scared of anything. Um, when you've been to hell and back, like I have, you soon, you soon realize that there's nothing to be scared of. Um, I've kind of just accepted that, you know, some things are in my control and some things are not. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I don't really feel anxious anymore. I don't really feel scared anymore. Uh, I'm able to radiate positivity. And I think um, if you're struggling, um, trying to change your mindset can be very, very, very difficult. But Brad Bartko made a very good point last night. And I want to share this with you guys. Who are you surrounding yourself with? He used the words and the terminology dream stealers. Are you hanging around dream stealers? He didn't ask that, but he said, you know, people are dream stealers. So I'm going to pose the question to you. Are you hanging around dream stealers? People that minim make you minimize you, you know, constantly negativity. Because if you do, it's going to be very difficult to change your perspective and live in a positive mindset. And uh, thanks, David. No fear, buddy. Uh, your uh, support uh, truly means the world, not only to me, but Matt as well, uh, because you've helped him tremendously as we've opened the skate shop and myself and your support for Taylor and I and the kids. Thank you, David. Uh, you're also on uh, Patreon and 
Uh, guys, going forward, if you want to support me directly, uh, is is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash hockey to heroin. Now that I'm here in one place, I'm able to, you know, do things. I'm getting new pictures made, new all of it. Um, and I'm gonna be sending those out. Uh, so if you want to support me directly, go to Patreon. If you don't know what it is, um, it's it's a site you can there's different tier levels through subscriptions for the month um and if you like what i'm doing here on the podcast and you'd like to support me and my family directly this is how you do it um any money through the puck support foundation goes to the puck support foundation uh and any money through patreon uh, and the podcast goes to me and my family so um no pressure to anybody it's just there it makes me feel awkward uh but at least this way uh, i can give you guys something in return uh, and I'm going to be getting signed pictures of my guests and sending them out for them to sign and send me back so I can send to you guys. Uh, I'm going to make it really fun and interesting and we'll have some puck support swag in there now that we got our press coming. Like I'm going to amp things up for Patreon. I'm going to be able to press my, my own shirts too, you know, and pay the puck support foundation for the time. Like it's just cool. Like the puck support foundation is going to be able to make, um, You'll see how we're going to structure it. And Sandra Murray is helping us. If you're struggling, reach out to somebody, if not to me. Sandra Murray, Sandra at pucksupport.com, guys. A reminder the Pucksport Warrior campaign is going on. And uh, before the next episode or on the next episode, I'm going to name our very first, 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 first youth ambassador, um, which I've been talking about for weeks. I've just been very, very busy, uh, but uh, starting to get things done and we're going to name a few and we'll probably have it like every week we'll name a few so if you think you have what it takes to be a puck support warrior reach out to us follow us at puck support at puck support warriors tell me tell us tell our crew why you are a puck support warrior what are you doing in the community what are you doing at school uh what do you do for your teammates um you know it's not so much about how good of a hockey player you are it's more about how good of a person you are do you have what it takes to rep the puck support brand I bet you you do. I bet you you do. Um, and we're we're so uh, thrilled to to get everybody involved, uh, and I uh, can't wait to see where this goes. But I got to get back to work. I got lots to do. Check out Jaden Shaver, the one stop skate shop magician. Him and I are going to be coming at you guys with some videos. Um, kids, unreal. I'm going to leave you guys with uh, with an old fight. Somebody dancing, doing the dance with Lance. Thank you to Brian Killer Kilray, Lance Galbraith, everybody who watched live and, and listened to the audio. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends if you liked it. If you didn't, don't. If you don't like me, if you don't like what I'm doing, just delete it. I don't know. Don't. But if you do, please share it. Um, and uh, guess who I talked to? Yesterday, last night, I talked to Todd Bertuzzi and Kyle Quincy. Uh, I don't know if Bert's going to join me for a podcast. He's pretty private. Uh, but the fact that he's a friend is, is mind-blowing to me because, uh, you know, growing up in Vancouver, Bert was the guy. Kyle Quincy, of course, was on The Problem with Pain, Rick Westhead's documentary, talking about Toradol. Uh, Quince is probably going to come on the show. Thanks to DMAC for helping set that up. Uh, and uh, I feel like I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff um, but doesn't matter because guess what? I'll be back again on Saturday to do it all over again. Same bat time, same bat channel. 
Remember, guys, please, you don't have to struggle in silence, suffer in silence. I am here. There's people here. Let's end the stigma. Let's support each other. Let's love each other. Uh, let's not judge people. Let's not bring people down. Let's lift people up. That's what it's all about. Brad Barco had a saying, I'm not going to steal it. I think he should trademark it. But Brad, if you're watching, you know what it is. I'm going to leave you guys with my saying. And uh, it's all about choices. It's all about perspective. Please, please, please reach out if you're struggling. David Carlson, I also enjoyed listening to Brian. It was an absolute thrill. Um, plus, he's got a great name. Shoutouts to my dad, Brian, who our relationship has been better than it's been in years. And that makes me so happy that i love you shout out to my mom out on the west coast and all my family members i love you guys i miss you can't wait for taylor and the kids to get up here uh and start living our lives and uh the very last special shout out is to brooklyn jay and brody ron i love you guys so much i think about you all the time and i'm just gonna keep working hard doing what i'm doing so that one day maybe we can be together again uh, maybe you'll give me that chance I love you. I love you all. Remember, guys, have a great day if you so choose. Mark Bell attempts to work at Lewis. Flies it to the slot, and the shot is chopped well wide of the net. And Kingston turning up ice with this. It will be Matt Price trying to work it out. And a fight's going to break out. Lance Galbraith and Andre Payette. It's the overage versus underage. Not that they check birth certificates out there. But Galbraith is an in-your-face kind of a hockey player. He doesn't care who he takes on. Well, it started out here in the blue line there. Yapping at each other. They went into the corner. I believe Payette is going to take the extra minor for, for an elbow. And uh, Galbraith just turned around and said, Listen, I ain't going to take any of this crap. And uh, he came back with a right hand. And the guy's about... Uh, He's probably given 30 or 40 pounds away, but he's sure gutsy. Well, there he is. That's been the key to his season, Hutch. And when you look at the Lance Galbraith, he's underage, and he's not the big.